Brad and her family die by earth, wind, and fire. This is Spoilers. This is What is up? Welcome to Spoilers. Uh, today we are spoiling Jordan Peele's second venture out into writing and, ter- and directing and producing, Us. Mikey and Pappy, what is up? Sup, bro. Sup. Did you guys, uh, what were your guys' expectations going into this movie? Because Get Out was a colossal success, and now, I mean, you always hear about the dreaded sophomore slump. What'd you guys think? The trailer, I'm going to say this, we don't often... Uh, give trailers credit, but it didn't give away like anything. Like, it it was a pretty good trailer, and, and it looked like it was going to be like a a really well shot movie. And I think it kind of lived up to that. Yeah, I think the expectations were really high uh, from just like film critics and everybody who had seen Get Out uh, a couple years ago. But I think he lived up to it, and I don't know. I think uh, the trailer might have shown a little bit for me, but that's just because. We were talking about Pet Cemetery earlier, and I was pretty pissed at that trailer, so... <laughs> I'm just... I think I'm going to start avoiding trailers from now on uh, a lot more, so... The thing is, think- like, if you have a reserved seat, I'm just going to show up, like, 20 minutes after the start time of the movie, and it's going to be, like, perfect. There were so many trailers in front of mine, and, and then mm-hmm. you were right, that Pet Cemetery one was atrocious. It gave away everything. I'll say this. Like, if there's an app someone tell me, but, like... I noticed this in the horror genre more than any other thing. People will not shut the fuck up <laughs> in the theater during horror movies. <laughs> was your theater packed? Mine was absolutely full. Sold out show. Well, all, yeah, my uh, show was sold out. And then every show after that, um, up until 10 p.m. was sold out. And I wow. saw mine at 4. Mine was pretty bare bones, but I went in the middle of the day. So, Where'd you go? Uh, Linway. With my sister. Nice, nice. Well, uh, let's get into us. Um, kind of want to start with the curveball. I don't want to say curveball, but what do you guys know about Hands Across America? Or did you guys ever hear about Hands Across America growing up? I knew nothing about it. I was going to Google it after the movie, and I didn't. Were they able to do it? Was there actually a colossal a failure? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of it, but only in like an episode of the Goldbergs, where it's kind of like a joke in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't know if it was like a real thing, uh, but to find out that it is real is uh, kind of weird, and I'm not surprised that it failed. So what happened? Yeah. They, they weren't able to do it. Oh no! I mean, it was a colossal, colossal failure. It was the whole idea was. It takes six and a half million people standing side by side, holding hands, um, to form a chain all the way across the United States. It doesn't even seem physically possible. Like, you have to go through all kinds of... Well, yeah, that's what they didn't account for. In the, in the <laughs> desert. Uh, yeah, they didn't so- account for desert, mountains, rivers, any of that. And yeah. so, it was like $10, and it was supposed to last for 15 minutes, and... Let's. It, it was. Uh, I think. Let's see. Ten dollars is six and a half. Yeah, I was supposed to raise a ton of money for homelessness and to fight hunger as well. And they only raised like fifteen million dollars. I won't say only, but fifteen out of seventy-five or sixty-five isn't a great number to hit. Well, I love how Jordan Peele. Like, it, it feels like he draws 
a lot from like personal experiences, you know, like get out having a, his spouse is, is white and, and telling that story. And now like you can tell it's a child of the eighties too. Cause that whole beginning felt mm. like, you know, kind of like his childhood stuff, like the, the commercials and the reflection and everything. That was awesome. Yeah. I, I really liked how it started off with the commercial of, of hands across America. And that was actually the exact commercial Jordan Peele saw um, that kind of inspired him to go with the hands across America route. He saw like a throwback like MTV Hands Across America commercial and used that one. Well, speaking of eighties stuff too, not to jump ahead too far, but I loved how the uh the house or the the House of Mirrors where it happens, like in the eighties it was called like the Shaman's House and then they renamed it because it was so unpolitically correct, like the Wizard's House or something later. That was a nice touch. Yeah, and um I don't know if you guys did you guys notice the VHS tapes on the side of the TV for that commercial? I what were mm-hmm. they? Um, it was the man with two brains, Steve Martin movie. It was Chud, which is about, um, (laughs) kind of like underground, like monsters that come up from the sewers. And then it was Goonies. That's awesome. (laughs) Which is like all about sewer stuff as well. And Mikey, what was that beginning kind of like writing we saw in the movie? Uh, yeah, there's a little script at the beginning of the movie that just talks about all these underground tunnels that are like abandoned underneath uh the u.s um it's kind of ominous uh but we get a little bit into the movie and we find out that there's like government uh experiments going on where they're cloning people and i don't really understand the purpose of the clones did you guys catch that i do they said it was like a government experiment right stevie or something yeah i mean might as well go ahead and jump into questions i mean anyone who's listening has already seen the movies we're called spoilers the way i took it was um it's much like um red says at the end to adelaide which is it was a government experiment that kind of went haywire whereas like they figured they can copy two bodies but they can't replicate two souls so the souls within those people was tethered to one person and another. Does so that make sense? That that makes sense. And uh, I, I I raised my rating a little bit. I was I call, I talked to you after Stevie. I was like, it, it explained too much. Maybe in retrospect, it's it's not as bad as I initially thought. But you were a fan of that explanation, right? At, at the time, it big kind of me time fan. Way. Yeah. What do you like? Big about it? big time fan. I'm just like kind of like the exposition dump in itself. Yeah, like there's that there's that shot. I, th- I think it's from Persona, uh, Ingmar Bergman movie. Um, where, Bergman, like, <laughs> done talking like this, and like it's you have her like semi-transparent, and yeah, she kind of like lays out basically everything that where these people are coming from. Because mm-hmm. it makes uh, sense. I'm just wondering, like, uh, well, if you're gonna replace everybody in the U.S. with this clone, then why don't you just? kill everybody in the u.s wouldn't that be easier that's not what it was it was much more politically driven than that it was to see as if they could control a society from hmm. underground oh so like the people underground would be controlling the people or tethered to the people top? so they would be puppets interesting so it was hmm. much more sinister than just like hey we're gonna see if we can replace people it was more like we're going to see if we can, like, control large movements of people at a time. It's like some Patriot Act shit. Oh, because they're, quote, tethered. So because they're, like, they're influencing. Because they're, quote, tethered. They're, like, and influencing each other. 
Right. And that's why that okay. beginning is like that really important. Sense. Like when she's on the boardwalk. And I really, really liked how Jordan Peele shot everything from a child's view on the boardwalk. Mm-hmm. Like looking up yeah. at everything, it just made everything look so much bigger. And I guess that kind of like took me back to when I was a kid at the fair with my parents, but my dad wasn't like angrily drunk and embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> like he was going off on that fucking whack-a-mole. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was whacking all the moles. He was so excited, but yeah, I mean, I guess we the big the uh, beginning of this movie is pretty much shown in the trailers, which is Adelaide, you know, wanders off into the uh, the shaman's house, like Pap said, with a giant sign that says "Find Yourself," and um, she really does really end up finding herself. And that's when we kind of continue on the story of like after that. What did you guys think happened? Because um, I just thought. Because they're at the therapist and they're talking about PTSD and she's not talking. What did you guys think had happened? Uh, Well, I think I'm getting a little too good at watching movies because I kind of okay. figured that they had switched uh, as soon as... You're better man than me, Mikey. Better man than as, me. Well, Lupita Nyong'o during like really intense uh, like sequences of like either like fighting someone or just freaking out, she would make like these animal noises and all of... The other uh, characters were making weird animal noises. Those grunts? Yeah, like grunting and hissing and stuff like that. And she would do that when she was uh, fighting people. I was like, kind of put two and two together because none of the other people were using words either. They were just grunting and hissing and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was a good it was a good reveal, though. Yeah, and Red's the only one who can talk, too. So it's kind of like a sign that she's different than the others. But So my question, Stevie, does the family... Lupita Nyong'o at does she does she know like that she was switched like does she remember being in that thing or not it's really you're talking about does she remember being underground right because like she so she yeah, she established what is her she life three as or four mom. years old at this point I'd say she's six, young six seven I don't six, know six seven okay um in my mind I think it was See, it's real. That's what I also kind of love about this movie. It's it's really kind of hard to, um, I guess, know everything. It's really good at disguising things, but I don't know. I'm yeah. trying to think. I really I don't think know. She, she did because it could think, be repressed memory, and she could have known. I think she was. Uh, she was like super panicked going to the beach, and I think she knew that. That's where they met the first time, and I think they both like kind of agreed that there was something drawing them together and that was the place where they met. So I think she was kind of nervous going back to the beach that whole time. So I think, uh, she remembers everything. I think she was, uh, a little more, she was smarter than she was letting on throughout the whole movie. I think. Yeah, that's very possible. Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't, I was trying to think in the movie what had happened. Cause it just, Cut. I just thought she got lost and got scared and wasn't herself. I didn't realize they switched at that point. And then we fast forward to grown-up Lupita, who's playing Adelaide, as well as we find out to come Red. Um, what's that family dy- dynamic like, Pap? It's, I love it. And, and we were talking before this, too. I, I think that I'm ready to crown Jordan Peele goat of horror comedy. Um and, and this family is so hilarious. They, they're they're pretty well off. Um, 
which I don't know if that plays in thematically at all. They drive a, a Mercedes and they have a, a beach house and the dad buys a boat and the, no one wants your boat, dad. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> The dad is like uh, he's he's corny and cheesy and he's, he's everyone's dad growing up. He's a dad, yeah, it's awesome. He's he's, he's a dad, mm-hmm. and and we have uh, Jason who has kind of a weird tick, Mikey. What's he do throughout the entire movie? Uh, Jason, uh, he's well, I guess he has kind of a couple, right? He has the magic trick thing that's not yeah. popping off that he's trying to work on throughout the whole movie. And he also hides places and kind of gets himself self, uh, stuck. Stuck in a couple exactly. in places. I also thought it was kind of funny. His name's Jason, and he wears a mask like in every scene of this movie. Oh, yeah, and that too. Yeah, he's a little weirdo, but mm-hmm. he's he's pretty good. I don't know if he's ever been in anything else, but if this was his first movie, he did a great job. And I don't know if he's playing the gimp kid too, because he's also pretty athletic. He's kind of climbing all over stuff and like running around Yeah, he's playing Pluto house. too. Yeah, he's a pretty good actor if this is his first role. So Yeah, and then we have daughter Zora, who's your typical teenage daughter, you know, listening to music, talking to guys, not wanting to listen to her parents. And uh, this movie kind of starts off with them going to the beach. And during the boardwalk scene, there's a guy holding a sign that says Jeremiah 1111. And did any of you guys know what Jeremiah eleven eleven was before this movie? No idea. No. Did you guys look it up after? <laughs> Therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto the storm. So, you know, one of those uplifting Bible passages. That's <laughs> what uh, Samuel L. Jackson says at the end of uh, Pulp Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of what, uh, what Rorschach said in Watchmen. But yeah, um, when they're on the way to the beach, that guy is being is dead, being wheeled out on a gurney. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't put two and two together until near the end of the movie that that guy that Jason saw at the beach holding out his hands was him. Like, he just killed his tethered person. Oh. That, that was the sense. Jeremiah eleven eleven guy. He was the first one to start the Hands Across America. Interesting. Yeah. I like that. And so Lupita is, um, or I'll just call her Adelaide, is really apprehensive about being at the beach. Um, who is it? Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, Elizabeth Moss is kind of her husband's best friend's wife who's just drunk and trying to be really <laughs> chatty. And Lupita's not having any of it. I guess she'll have thirds. <laughs> I love Tim Heidecker so much. Did you guys ever watch Tim and Eric in college? Yeah, I love Tim and Eric. Yeah, I've seen a couple episodes. Love, love Tim and Eric. And um, I hope Tim Heidecker keeps on getting bigger and better roles because he is just so funny. But he plays like, um, let me see, Gabe's best friend who's a lot more well off. Like he has like a really nice beach house. He pretty much has a yacht. You know what yeah, I mean? The name of the yacht is Biat. Biat. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Uh, yeah. Speaking of the beach, Stevie, I, I have a question. So the there's like a bunch of like coincidences happen. Like a frisbee lands perfectly on the circle of their beach blanket. Is that just kind of like a a misdirect of the film? Because there's not really anything spiritual or supernatural. I didn't right? realize what was going on with that. I thought I had missed something. I was going to ask you guys. I mean, is that yeah, just 
It just kind of sets the creepy yeah. mood, I guess, right? Is it the fact that it landed so perfectly on the circle? Mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, it's just supposed to be like a... Just like a hint at there's like a copy of you somewhere or something. She's like seeing more and more qu- oh, weird Oh, because it was blue and then it was red. Yeah, the she's seeing was red on top more of and more blue. weird coincidences like that throughout the movie. So, and re- it was a red and gold frisbee too, which actually is kind Ties of a in. foreshadow of things to come. Nice, yeah, yeah. And so Jason gets wanders off on the beach. Adelaide's not having any of it. We got to go home, and she is just really feeling. She's not having any of it. Pappy brought this up earlier. What has Gabe tried to do when she's having like a freak out in the bedroom? Oh, uh, it's the it's one of the funniest scenes of the whole movie. He's like trying to seduce his wife in the way uh, Jordan <laughs> Peter or Jordan Peele is just a fucking master of and the worst. I hate when people say he knows where to put the camera, but wait, he puts the camera like right in his crotch <laughs> and he like lays in the middle of the bed like spread eagle. He's ready. <laughs> his wife's like freaking out, and what is he just has like a, just a bunch of lines like trying to like seducer or something and my crowd was cracking up it's awesome it was awesome yeah and so um i really just think ally wants to get the hell out of there like by morning she's like we just gotta go i don't want to be here and it's their summer home right i think so yeah must be nice but (laughs) um then the power goes out no backup generator and that's when jason says there's a family out there mikey what rolls on down from here uh yeah, we meet the uh the copy family of uh Lupitu Nyangu and everybody else. Uh and they kinda break in in a really scary way and uh hold uh, the original family hostage and it's uh pretty creepy and very well shot and I think uh Jordan Peele's like going all out here and trying to create a really scary uh setup to this movie. He's a master of suspense, too. The way, like, that family just stood there for a long time while you're just running in your mind what's going to happen. But the thing is, it's also funny, too. Winston Duke, <laughs> the guy who plays Gabe, is out there, and he's kind of, like, talking a big big game, and then he's... Trying deep, to act tough. Yeah, and he's lowering <laughs> his voice <laughs> at the end, and it's just really funny at the same time, but also pretty scary. He's realizing that uh, this could be a, a, a pretty big problem. Well, yeah, because like the whole time too, he, he he speaks, you know, very formally, and then when he's trying to intimidate, the police are on their way. <laughs> you can just tell us not the way he normally talks. You want to get crazy? Great, <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I love that. But then breaking into the house was to me terrifying, especially when Gabe gets his uh, knee bashed in by Abraham. That dude looked way bigger than Gabe, by the way. Abraham, he, he really did. Huge. Mm-hmm. Um. But they kind of huddle him up all in the family room, and that's when we hear Red's fantastically scary voice. What's the story that she tells, Pab? Well, yeah, she's she's telling the story of how, like, basically whatever um, Adelaide did in the real world, she was kind of forced to do in the underground world. So she had to marry uh, marry the big guy and have the kids, and then like kind of worst of all, I guess the the son was born by cesarean section which on her own yeah there were no doctors so like you you probably seen like all the scissors and stuff like she carries scissors and she i guess had to cut out the baby all by herself yeah that was just scary to think about on on top of that voice too well when you think about it too it's like that 
person was supposed to be in the real world. You know what I mean? So like, no wonder she'd want revenge. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd uh, be pissed. Oh yeah. yeah. And that's the way that she, they kind of made it sound in the beginning was just, you guys have a shadow. Our shit, you know, we're coming. We're no longer going to be your shadows. We're coming to kill you. Pretty Dude, much, which, that's the way I took it. Which one? Did, which one of the uh, the other family did you guys think was the scariest? Because for me, it's not even close. Of the other family, the yeah, the daughter. I, I don't know. Umbre, pretty scary. Umbre. Oh my god, she her face. That I don't know who that actress is, but she's able to make this creepy smile face that is like the most terrifying. <laughs> that is Shahadi Wright Joseph plays Zora and Umbre. She is so good. It's it's absolutely terrifying. Yeah, and like that whole. I mean, I think it's like five to ten minutes worth. Is just the suspense is just such a great buildup. And it really starts off with, I mean, after she gives that kind of speech that, like, we're here and we're going to kill you. And um, Abraham drags Gabe out um, towards the boat, knocks him out. And it's kind of like the separation of things where um, Jason and Pluto go off together. uh, Umbre and Zora go off together. And then it's just Red and um, Adelaide. So it really does a good job of like separating things, but um, where does it really just go from here? I mean, after this, pretty much uh, we have Umbre chasing after um, Zora. Which sorry to interrupt. There's there's so many great like little setup and payoffs in the script. Um, mm-hmm. Like at the beginning, uh, that daughter is talking about how she doesn't want to run track anymore, and then she basically just like has to take off sprinting to get away. So mm-hmm. it's like and Umbre it, loves track. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's all about it. <laughs> that and um, Pluto does a great job of mirroring Jason. Like he just doesn't mm-hmm. like when they mirror each other in the closet. What were you saying earlier uh, before we started recording about uh, the dog thing? Okay, um, so there's a bunch of different ways you can li- – it works on both ends because one of them I read and one of them I put two and two together. Uh, the one of them I read was that Pluto, I think, was like the god of the underworld or like the god of fire of the underworld. Hmm. T- trying to think because Jason's uh, doppelganger was Pluto. Let me see. Pluto represents more positive God. He presides over afterlife. Okay, never mind. Anyway, um, <laughs> and then uh, the other one was uh, in the beginning, Jason says that, hey, I want a dog. And his dad's like, you don't need a dog, boy. And Pluto kind of acts like a pet to Jason. And Pluto, of course, the famous dog from the, the famous Jetsons. dog. Yeah. Um, or uh, Mickey's dog. Oh, yeah, that's what it or is. Or Mickey Mouse's you know, dog. Astro, yeah, Astro's the dog from the Jetsons. Yeah, Astro's Pluto's the dog. The dog from, yeah, Pluto's yeah, yeah. Mickey's, but um, he kind of acts like a pet because, like, uh, Jason's like, come here, and he, like, kind of crawls over to him, and he grabs his hand and walks him towards the closet. Then he mirrors him. And the other thing I took off, I don't know if you guys noticed this, that magic trick that Jason said he couldn't get working throughout the entire movie was working down below, and that's why his face was burned. Oh, that makes sense. Oh. I did feel a little bit bad, though. Like, it's probably not the nicest thing to make your burn victims look like monsters in the movie. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, but yeah, I don't. What is that trick even supposed to be? Is it just like a lighter? Like, I know it works. I think like it's once, just supposed to. Yeah, it's supposed I don't to know light. if you're supposed to see the the ring on his finger because if you see the ring, you obviously know there's a trick. But I think it's supposed to be like a sleight of hand thing, and it's just like a a flame. 
Yeah. Ah, okay. And yeah, it wasn't working up top, but it was working down below just fine for Jason. Um, We get Gabe on a boat with uh, Abraham, and was he trying to drown him? What was he doing? Why Why did Abraham take Gabe out in the boat? Just for thematical movie purposes? Mm, I I don't know honestly, but yeah, I think it was just going to drop him out in the in the lake or something because he had him all bagged up. Yeah, uh, and it, he expected he was knocked out, but yeah, I don't know why he took the boat out. Maybe just because up top Gabe was so adamant about having the boat, and down below yeah. Gabe, really yeah, very well could it. be. Yeah, um, I. I had like a great feel of like terror throughout that time in the pond where like him and Abraham are both in the water. Oh, that's so scary. It was so scary. It was like Jaws, but with a crazy person. Speaking of Jaws, I, I shit on Mallrats for this like universal. I fucking get it. You made Jaws. You don't have to make your little kid actors wear Jaws t-shirts in the movie. It's like, we get it. You made Jaws. Were there Jaws t-shirts? I didn't realize little kid uh jason wears a jaws t-shirt oh does he yeah yeah oh nice i can't i can't unsee that kind of shit i love that thriller t-shirt i wish i had that that was a sick (laughs) t-shirt that uh the little girl wears well gabe eventually kills abraham he's like one of the first ones to go with uh what's he get him with the the propeller the boat motor yeah the propeller it's super bloody and, and awesome yeah and he drives back to the dock and gets the families that can be away from red and their doppelganger family and they go over to tim heidecker's house mikey break this scene down because it's hilarious uh yeah well this is where we really learn that there's it's not just the original family that's getting that was a twist ha- for me these, yeah that has these copies uh it's pretty much i don't know if it's everybody but it's at least six million people Mm-hmm. Uh, they have copies because they go all the way across America, hand in hand. Uh, but yeah, the Tim Heidecker's family, he has twins. And there's also doppelgangers of those twins. So they kind of sneak up behind the two twins at the... There's, oh my like, god. At the top of the stairs and then they just get like stabbed in the neck and things kind of fly off from there. <laughs> uh, Tim Heidecker's weird doppelganger comes out and... <laughs> texts. <laughs> yeah, that's his name, Tex. It's so hard to describe what he's doing. He's kind of he's not speaking, but he is definitely acting like a <laughs> like a dad. <laughs> but he's also kind of acting like an insane person at the same time. And then he kills Tim, stabs him. Everybody gets stabbed in the neck. And Elizabeth Moss, she has a a doppelganger who also stabs her, but she kind of lives for a little bit longer and kind of sees all these doppelgangers and mm-hmm. she's just trying to. Crawl to Tim, and uh, then she gets stabbed multiple times. It's free real estate. It's free real estate. <laughs> <laughs> Two bedroom, no rug. It's free real estate. Uh, but um, I also love before that when she's like uh, when Elizabeth Moss character is kind of like on the overhang of the house trying to talk to him from down below. What does she ask him to do again? It's something really simple. It's, oh, she's like, I heard oh, something outside. Check. Yeah, check. Out check. And he's like, it's probably a squirrel. She's like, I know what a squirrel sounds like. And he's like, honey, I'm in my comfy spot. I'm busy. And he's I'm just drinking in his rope. Yeah, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy. And I love this part, mainly because I love the Beach Boys. But I also think the lyrics work really well with like 
the breakdown of the murder of Tim, like uh, Heidecker's family, um, of the Tyler family, I guess. When he puts on that song, you know something bad is immediately going to happen. And it's so quick when that girl gets stabbed in the neck. What song does he put on, Stevie? Good Vibrations. And if you look at it from Elizabeth Moss um, doppelgangers like side, that those lyrics actually work perfect. When, what do you mean? Because yeah. like, she's been down below in those tunnels for so long, like her entire life. And she goes, like, the lyrics want to say, I love the color of her clothes she wears and the way the sunlight plays upon her hair. I hear the sound of the gentle word and the wind that lifts perfume through the air. Which, to me, if you look at it from, like, a jealous, like, standpoint, like, she took a lot of pleasure out of killing Elizabeth Moss. I'm with you. That might be the best sequence in the whole movie. That music... That's ju- such a... I mean, I think there's a reason they picked that song, too, because it works perfectly with the sequence. Yeah, that Love and Mercy music, like, juxtaposed against uh, that ultra-violence. gruesome. It's yeah. so good. It's so great. So, so violent. And I also noticed um, something small with Elizabeth Olsen's uh, doppelganger, her other, I guess. Her name's Dahlia. Um, I really like that lipstick scene where she actually got to put on lipstick for the first time and not just, like, pretend to. Mm-hmm. And also, in the beginning, Elizabeth Moss uh, says that she had Botox and kind of filler put in around her face. And... Um, down, but like her doppelganger had scars all around those areas. Oh mm. shit! Good catch, Stevie. Yeah. So she so was getting surgery. She really. was getting surgery, but not the good kind. Wow. That's so. Yeah. I was I was uh, talking to you. I think this movie is a lock for SAG ensemble because we kind of talked about uh, those are pretty much all of the characters, and like they're all phenomenal in both roles. Like. Everyone is mm-hmm. so great, and and they're it's a challenging like movie to do. They're 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 playing two totally different characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think from top to bottom, this is probably one of the best casts I've seen. Especially the fact that yeah, like you said, that you're asking them to play two characters. It's really impressive to see, especially Lupita. She's God, insane she's in this movie. Yeah, and they would shoot on different days. Like they would do the Red Family one day. And then just the standard, like, Wilson or Tyler family the other days. And Jordan Peele said it was, absolute, said it was absolutely terrifying being around Lupita because she would stay in red <laughs> character no matter what. Oh, Jesus. Like, when she was in makeup, in between breaks, getting lunch, Lupita was red. Where are the crap services? <laughs> <laughs> he said it was just absolutely terrifying. And after the Tylers get murdered, the Wilsons show up and... Um, I mean, it's a pretty standard takedown, like, uh, Gabe fights, um, his evil twin, you know, best friend Josh in the boat, which I really like that flare gun scene. That was hilarious. Again, like the script is so tight for the most part. I, I will get to the end where we have maybe a little bit of different opinion, but yeah, the, the flare gun is set up at the beginning scene on the beach. They're talking about, you got your life. Oh, you're, oh yeah. You got a flare gun. Yep. Then the life preserver comes into play like earlier on. And then, yeah, the flare gun, you think it's going to be this like giant flare that he shoots him with and just like mm-hmm. <laughs> little impotent little <laughs> shot comes out of it. You're right, though. I mean, this script does a phenomenal job of falling on itself constantly, like especially mm-hmm. with like little stuff like that. There was a little bit of little bit of it and get out with like Chris's cell phone, like his cell phone's constantly being unplugged. And then 
you know, when he absolutely needs it, it's dead. Yeah, but I, but I prefer this, you know what I mean, rather than, like, the cell phone thing's like a plot device, but this is, like, so well executed. Like, I, I think if I watched it again, I would pick up on, like, ten more things, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Well, that, too, it's like, even with the boat motor, how it dies out in the middle of the water when he first gets it. And he smacks his head on it to start it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, like, little stuff like that. Um, but they eventually kill that family, and from there, they pretty much just hit the boardwalk, am I right? Yeah, pretty much. Well, actually, much. no, there's actually a smaller part. Um, when they're leaving that house, um, Umbre is chasing, is pretty much on top of their car as Zora's trying to drive. And she gets thrown through the woods and impaled by, by a tree, I can only imagine. Um, this was a oh. weird part of the movie. Sorry, mm-hmm. I just thought of this. So, like, maybe is this like a clue to that she did remember? Because, like, when the yeah, pizza goes out to check on her, she's like consoling. It makes no her. sense. She's almost like shh, 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 like it's okay, mm-hmm. kind of like yeah, because it really that would doesn't... be her real daughter, I guess. Uh, well, the one in the tree. Well, yeah, she didn't give birth to her, but that would if she was the crazy one. Mm-hmm. Pretty confusing, I guess. But no, that would be like who she would have raised if she had stayed down below. So that right. could have been her daughter. Right. And, you know, everyone in the theater is like, what the hell is she doing? Like, why is she getting out of the car? And by the end, it makes a whole lot of sense. Um, pretty much we after also that. Get, like, also, oh, go ahead. after that, when they're in the car again, Gabe kind of gives her a weird look like he's not understanding why she did that too. So, I think it's really, there's like a lot of little stuff like that kind of setting up Lupita's turn in the end. Yeah, and especially too, when she goes back in the house to get the car keys before the whole Umbre deal, um, one of the twins is still alive. Oh, right. And um, Adelaide has to kill that twin. And while she's doing it, she's doing like that grunt thing. Like that's like the first time we really get to see her doing the grunt. You know, they're mm-hmm. kind of like clenching mm-hmm. her teeth and doing like the chatter grunt. And that's when Jason, I think, first starts to see that something's wrong with mom. Yeah, Jason is like picking up on kind of something's not. Jason's not smart. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's when we get to the boardwalk where uh, Pluto has set a trap um, with gasoline beneath their car. And what happens here, Pax, is kind of weird. It's uh, It was a shot from the trailers, but it, it might be like some of the most striking imagery of, of the whole movie. Um, the trap is basically uh, the, the fire starter kid has laid down a bunch of gasoline and he's got a match. He's got to explode the uh, explode the car that they're all in mm-hmm. while the family's trying to get to Mexico. Um, but Jason realizes that he can still kind of control him like they're still kind of tethered in a way and he basically just like extends his arms out and like starts walking backwards and then uh the fire starter kid walks backwards into the fire and again lupita is like kind of she doesn't want that kid to die you know i mean she kind of like says no or something like that yeah and it can either be they're tethered or i kind of like my dog theory oh that he's he's kind of like he's kind of like doing like the dog thing where he's kind of mirroring him yeah Mm -hmm. yeah but so, it's a switcheroo of a trap because uh, Red knows 
what <laughs> what uh, uh Jason is gonna do. And he's while he's backing up, he doesn't see red that's like hidden behind a car or something. And pretty much blending him. in within yeah. a car. <laughs> that was a that was a pretty cool uh, little scene right there of her. She's in view, like you could see her if you're looking for her, but she's also kind of hidden because she's the exact same color as the car. And this right. is all, this is also where we get the first shot of of the people in red forming the hands across America. Hands across America. Yeah, <laughs> that's when they're like really starting to like. Yeah, I guess you'd say do their form. It didn't make a whole lot of sense at the time, Mm-mm. but Red steals Jason. Um, and that's when uh, Adelaide takes after her into uh, the funhouse. What happens here, Pap? Um, yeah, so we go in the funhouse, and, and uh, <laughs> there's an owl earlier that scares the, the young version of her, and then the owl pops up, and she just beats the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. And uh, basically, this funhouse thing has a hidden escalator, to these tunnels where the people are being kept and we kind of get to see for the first time uh the condition or i really get to see like what it looks like down there and it's it's Mm -hmm. pretty creepy yeah so there's rabbits everywhere and i like the deeper you go kind of like just stark contrast difference you get because it's like all white halls all tile you know kind of modern furniture and also classrooms (laughs) Yeah. Am I missing mm. something with the rabbits? Like, why? She mentioned Those that- were the first things that they cloned. That was the food. Yeah, they had to eat rabbit, too. Yeah. That was what they were eating. Gotcha. So, so anytime they, were, they ate, they just ate rabbit. And that was also, like, the first thing they cloned within the trials. But there was a... Oh, was it, so there's no... It's just because that's what they cloned. There's no other reason that it was rabbit. I think it... Yeah, I think it was just because they... They, um, it was like the first thing they cloned. Because that's like one of the first shots of the movie, too. You get that title card, and then they show like this cage, a super close up of a rabbit's eye, and he mm-hmm. very patiently, very slowly, like moves the camera back, and you see it's like basically like a pet store of like cages and cages of rabbits. I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> it's comfortable. That was a sweet shot, though. That was a cool shot. It was, it was great. Yeah. yeah, so we get into the part where Red is doing like, she's drawing and cutting out hands across America in this classroom and there's a giant exposition dump. What is she going, what is she going to say, Mikey? Uh, she's, well, we get flashbacks of the beginning oh, of the movie so where, good. where, uh, she goes into the fun house and here's where we learn that, uh, underground Adelaide had choked out above ground Adelaide and switched places with her, uh, as a kid. And when she got, when underground, Red, who got back to the surface, she didn't know how to talk or anything, really. So she was quiet for, I don't know, how long did they say? Like A long time. Yeah, a while. She wasn't, she was just not talking and people had assumed that she had PTSD from whatever Mm -hmm. her experience was wandering off. But uh, I think it's a great twist, even though I kind of saw it coming a little bit earlier. Uh, But it has a great fight scene and... Again, the music from the trailer is in this fight scene. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine how they came up with how to... I put five on it into a scary remix or anything, but it's just so cool, and it's shot really well. It's like kind of a silhouette. Two silhouettes fighting just because of the lighting is so... Nothing you would ever see in real life, really. It's It's, amazingly well done. 
and that remix that remix is played throughout like the second and third act and it's it's haunting and Creep Jordan Peele uh, <laughs> Jordan Peele said that song it came pretty simple I'm making a movie in Northern California that's a Bay Area hip hop classic and I wanted to explore this very relatable journey of being a parent and maybe some of the songs you listened to back in the day aren't appropriate for your kids mm-hmm. so that was one level and another part was I love songs that have a great feeling but also have a haunting element to them and I feel like the beat in that song song has this inherent cryptic energy almost mm-hmm. reminiscent of the Nightmare on Elm Street soundtrack so there were the ideas that song hit the bullseye for me and also it's just a dope track Oh yeah, it's not a drug it's song. A song. It's a dope song. That's a great. <laughs> it's a dope song. That's a classic. Also, Clear you can time. look at it like thematically too, for the sense of like I got five on it, which is like pretty much paying for half a dime, mm-hmm. like not paying like full ten, which is like you know there's half. Yeah, this whole mm-hmm. movie's duality. Throwing in on it, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, And also, Mikey, you mentioned that uh, fight scene. Like, one of the reasons uh, Red, or the the girl who is switched, um, she's able to, like, combat the the fight because she's like, dances out of the way. And that's something that's Mm -hmm. discussed on the beach, too. She's like, don't you miss dancing? And Lupita's kind of like, eh. And it turns out that she was a dancer um, Mm -hmm. when she was younger. Yeah, so... In that scene, too, while she's explaining, like, you know, this was an abandoned, like, government project. Everyone went mad. You know, we've been down here. Here's what's been going on. There's this great kind of side-by-side of, like, them going through the boardwalk of, like, both their journeys of, like, one on top and one in the tunnels. And just, like, how different they look and kind of how sad it is. And especially with, like, the people riding a roller coaster, like, up top are also (laughs) riding a roller coaster (laughs) in that room. (laughs) Yeah. That was funny. I thought that was great, but my favorite part throughout this whole sequence, one of my favorite parts of the movie was kind of like the dancing sequence of her explaining like, someone explain this to me, what what did she mean when she said that she had found God? Like during the dancing sequences of the ballet. Because one was dancing on top at a recital and one was just dancing in the tunnels just to dance. I have no idea. Like I didn't, th- she mentioned she mentioned she mentions God a couple times, mm-hmm. um, finding God or, or that uh, that there was some kind of miracle that happened and inspired her. That that wasn't clear to me. I guess when I first saw it, I thought that the miracle was the switch that happened. But is mm-hmm. is that right? Like I, I don't know. Like that part kind of lost me. The only thing I'm confused by was um, with these two girls. Who was tethered to who? Who was controlling who? I think that was the miracle was that they were supposed to be different. They, they were separate. Uh, but they okay. both, yeah, I think the, that was what she was trying to do. They actually weren't tethered to one another. They were just actually, okay, that helps me out a lot. Cause that side by side dance of like bottom and top. Cause that's when everyone in the tunnels realized that, uh, red was far different than the others. Not only could she dance, uh, but she could talk. <laughs> You're like, yeah, and then she became like Jesus of the underground people, right? And that's uh, and then she took the inspiration of Hands Across America to unite the uh, the mole people below because she's got like a Hands Across America t shirt, right? Like, right, it's, it's and, covered up during the sequence by the thriller t shirt that Mikey mentioned, but mm-hmm. when the switch happens, then you see the the t shirt. I know it's fine. really bad timing, but like uh, with Finding Neverland and everything coming out, but the one glove and red jumpsuits were pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Because how, how it's supposed to be thriller. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I know it's bad timing, but I thought that was pretty funny. But, um, yeah, so Adelaide kills Red uh, with the cuffs that Red made her put on, as well as we find out the cuffs that, uh, I guess you could say Red put on, or um, what would it be? The original Adelaide put on uh, Red, or vice versa. Mm -hmm. I don't know, she wears those cuffs the whole damn movie. But she ends up killing her, goes back up top in an ambulance and starts driving. And that's when Jason um, realizes, like, something's not right with mom. I just saw her maybe kill, like, who should have been my real mom. And we get that overview shot of just hands across the rolling hills for miles upon miles. They actually did it. Those crazy bastards. They actually did it. <laughs> they pulled it off and raised $75 they pulled million. Off, dollars. <laughs> they pulled off six and a half million people across the country while killing six and a half million. Good for them. Good for they it, cured though. homelessness. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty much the whole plot to us. Um, what did you guys think? Uh, I guess I'll ask you guys both this. Um, which one do you prefer, us or Get Out? Uh, well, I've seen Get Out multiple times now, and I think that's a perfect movie. Uh, mm. I, I still want to see this again. I don't know if I'm going to see it in theaters again, but I would love to watch it a couple more times and come back to that question. But right now, I still love Get Out more. Not to say that this wasn't a good movie. This was mm -hmm. an amazing movie and probably the best movie of this year so far. But uh, I think Get Out just hits so hard on that first watch. It's such gotcha. a it's an instant classic, that movie. Yeah, I, I I I wonder where Jordan Peterson or Jordan Peterson, Jordan Peterson gonna say go. That. Jordan Peterson <laughs> gonna go next. Uh, I, I I think that he's really matured as a writer, even between the two movies. Like I, I'm not the biggest fan of the third act, but all those little setup and payoffs were great. So I think I still prefer Get Out because I loved the ending of Get Out and the way that it's set up with the TSA guy. That's, that's one of my favorite <laughs> scenes ever, mm. but. Um, yeah, I, they're pretty damn close. I'm looking at IMDb. Get Out's a 7.7. Seven. This is a 7.6. They're, they're very comparable films, in, in my mm -hmm. opinion. Yeah, I mean, I just, I guess you have to ask that question because he's only made two films so, so far, but I don't really think you can compare the two movies because they're so different. Yeah. I mean, they're really different. It would have been really easy for Jordan Peele to, you know, write a movie about the coagula or like, you know, write what happened, you know, a similar story that happened before the guy didn't make it out of Get Out. But he really took steps with this movie, I thought. And I think as a whole, I think I'm going to be in the minority on this one. I prefer Us over Get Out. That's fair. It just, this movie has stuck in my brain for like, honestly, the past like 24 hours. I just can't stop thinking about it. And there's so many questions left unanswered. It just makes you think about it and kind of wonder what it really is. So I think it's actually mm -hmm. a really fun watch with a lot of different breadcrumbs to go back on like later on while watching it. I also love those movies that take that ambiguous ending. Like obviously the bad Adelaide is up top mm -hmm. now and Jason is kind of suspicious of her, but you don't know what's going to happen at the end of this movie. And it's like kind of, it's not a, it's not a happy ending, but it's more of just like a, well, she could kill everybody as soon as these credits roll. So yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, I like endings like that. I got a question for you, Stevie. Yeah. So, so Get Out was, 
uh, he won, you know, the Oscar for best screenplay, and it was of course nominated for an Academy Award. And I think a lot of that was, you know, because of like the symbolism and, and metaphor for uh, being racism is not dead. Yeah, being black in America. Did did you find that this movie had any kind of like? themes or or socially hell yeah yeah i i think it did i I heard people say oh this is just like more of a horror movie there's not that many themes and i I couldn't no disagree with that more (laughs) which ones do you find pap so like one of the class and lower class yeah well one of the very telling things is like when the the family first appears they ask who are you and the answer is americans and that Mm -hmm. that is a very Mm -hmm. very very that was weird telling line and even like lupita her plan is to escape to mexico to leave the united states and in hands across america i i think there's a little bit of yeah like Mikey said the class system the fact that it was the government that put these people in the lower class while this super affluent family is, and they don't see him as human was vacationing yeah and they're, and they're mm-hmm. dehumanized by that so they're I think, dehumanized yeah it's it's not like it's you know slapping you in the face with metaphor but even and this the name, movie is called us for crying out loud US. capitalize both those letters yeah u.s like that's usa right there so i mean i, I think it was very well get out of <laughs> the u.s oh <laughs> i like See what it. we're doing here but yeah um that was the theme i saw the most was upper class lower class and how you know you kind of forget about a section of society and then when they come to like come up to show themselves you don't see them as human mm-hmm. and then oh god oh, i was gonna say like i i think that not that their violence is justified but like we mentioned earlier it's fucking understandable they were kept in a, a cave like they had to mutilate themselves mm-hmm. they had to follow somebody like th- their revolution was inevitable and i think that's even kind of something that uh peel's saying he's, he's saying that you know if you keep people down and oppress them and oppress them and oppress them it ends up in violent revolution so mm-hmm. i think that's a really you know astute point from him right and i mean it was smart like to be- <sighs> You, you sympathize. You sympathize on both sides. Like you sympathize with Adelaide, and you also sympathize with Red. By the end, you know what I mean. Not at first, but by the end, yeah. By the end, you definitely end up sympathizing with both sides. But yeah, I absolutely love this movie. Um, I hope it's nominated for screenplay. I'm not sure if it will be, but I hope it is. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't see a lot of movies like this. I, like I said, I think it's a lock for SAG Ensemble, and that's mm-hmm. if it gets that, it probably will get nominated for Best Picture. I it, I think that one of the things that's going to hold hold it back though a little bit is is the horror genre. You know what I mean? As far yeah. as Academy Awards yeah. goes, but who cares about that? This is an amazing movie. Like I don't care if it gets no awards. It's it was awesome. Yeah, it just like you said, Pap. Like it, horror, comedy, sci-fi. Like it. it also, you can kind of link the two between Get Out and Us if you think about it, because like. In fantastical get out, in fantastical get out, they, science or whatever. Mm-hmm. In Get Out, they really were transferring the soul. Yeah. And in Us, they struggled to do that and could only make copies of it. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Yeah. So I guess you can kind of mark it in that realm, I guess. Well, but that, yeah. That's a great point, Mikey. Like, Peel's films, they're, they're horror, but they're not supernatural horror. You know what I mean? The, it's people mm-hmm. doing it. Like, it's grounded in quote-unquote reality which makes it mm-hmm. scarier i think yeah yeah so that was us you guys have anything else to add uh 
You think this is the best movie of the year so far? I can't even think of anything else that... I think, hands down, it's the best movie of the year so far. Yeah, um, I'd say so. It's just... You just don't see a lot of movies like this, I guess. Um, the one thing I'll say, I can kind of knock on it, was... Um, I could have dealt with a little less exposition while uh, Red was talking. But yeah. in the in the same thing, I mean, if he just would have left it with no exposition, people would have been confused as hell. Mm-hmm. So that, that's just the way I look at it. But um, I hope Jordan Peele takes like three or four years off and just comes back with an amazing movie and doesn't rush anything. But I have to imagine with the guy, you know, with his brain and work ethic, I have to imagine that uh, he has something on the horizon pretty soon. It's a pretty insane turnaround to make those movies two years apart. Like, oh yeah, that's a grind. Like, and these both these movies are bangers too. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't understand people on social media saying this movie sucks. Like I just don't get it. It's like <laughs> I think they just need to watch it again. But yeah, I absolutely love this movie. Favorite of the year so far, and I like it more than Get Out. Three S's. Do we even need to do that? Do do we? I don't think so. Oh, yeah, this is a rock hard yes. Hard yes. Cool, cool. Well, Pat, do we have anything coming down the pipeline soon? I don't know. I think we got a bunch of Fast and Furious movies. Uh, We got your punishment movie for losing the Oscar Pickham's show, The Prestige. Uh, So you get to listen to to Steve explain why he hates that movie. Us is better than The Prestige. I don't know. It's too soon. I, oh, stop it! I don't know. I really uh, don't know. I got, I got one more uh, comment <gasps> or a question. Do you guys think Lupita's going to get nominated? Oh, she has to. She's incredible in this movie. I'll take it a step further. Is she the best living actress? <laughs> or like I, I mean, I don't know about. I think she's insane in this movie because I, I think it has a lot to do with her face too. I mean, she looks perfect in real life and then she her weird underground doppelganger is just so scary looking and almost yeah. like uncanny valley in the way that she looks i mean she's the so skinny and tracy chapman yeah she's absolutely terrifying in this movie so i think she's an incredible actress regardless of this movie would come out or not but yeah she crushes it in this movie the only thing that might hold her back is the fact that tony collette put on one of the best act, like acting performances I've seen in years in Hereditary. Mm, and she didn't yeah, even sniff true. a nomination. Yeah. That just but, makes me sad. I mean, uh, Peel and her are Academy darlings, so hopefully. but Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully All right. right. Well, uh, I think I'll say this is if you listen to this movie, if you listen to this episode and haven't seen us, I don't know what you're doing with your life, go see this movie. It's amazing. And uh, thanks for listening. This was Spoilers. Take it away, Spooderman. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcastspoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. The following advertisement is intended for Jim Booney only. 
It's free. Real estate. We're giving you land. It's free. We're giving you a house. It's real estate. Free. It's a free house for you, Jim. This is free real estate. Well, you got to bring furniture, but the house is free. Two bedrooms, no rugs. It's free. You unlock the door to your free house. We got you the real estate. It's a two-bedroom house. It's free. It's got a pool in the back. I'm not carrying this around all day. It's for your house. Free real estate. I'll pee my pants. Jim, come get your damn land. It's a free house. Jim, I got real estate. Jim, to get better than this. Jim. The house is free. Jim. The house is free. It's a free house. It's free real estate.